be, you know, you say give us the intro, but Joshua Black and Thomas Marcus need no introduction. They need no intro. <laughs> so as I just said, not to be redundant, I'm here with uh, Josh and Thomas. Do you go by Josh or Joshua? Do you like what do you, what do you like? You can call me Josh. Okay, Josh. Josh and Thomas. Yeah. A, a lovely married couple here. And we were just talking about how we know each other. Now, now you went to the ATP, correct? No, we actually, neither of us. Neither, neither no. of you. Who, so how do you know Heidi? So you know my sister. You say you don't know me, but you know my sister. Everybody knows my sister. She's a lamb. She's a doll. She's so sweet. I'm nothing like her. How do you know her? <laughs> we did go. We went to the, the youth theater program. She was in the ATP. We went at the same year. I think she was a year behind me. But I was not in the ATP, but I did uh, a few performances there. Okay, okay, nice. And how did you meet my illustrious co-host here? Through my, through Carrie Ann. Through Carrie Ann. Yeah. Okay, okay. So through the wife. All right. So how did you meet Carrie Ann? I, yeah. How are we all involved? This is great. I, I have known Carrie Ann since 2004. We were at Weaver State together. She was in the theater program. I was not, but. Uh, we were doing a music. We were in the Secret Garden together at Weber State. Um, she was, she was young Marion, <clears throat> and I was Dickon. So all of our scenes were together, um, and we have been really good friends ever since. And we've just happened to sort of follow each other through, through life and and finding wow. our husbands and um, being in Utah, New York, and back. And it's it's funny how our lives have been. Parallel. Nice. Okay. So, so tell me what, uh, what the acting is like nowadays, what, what role theater plays in your life? Where, where is it at? I mean, what journey have you been on? So you've been in New York, you've done the New York scene and I want to, I want to hear all sorts of stuff, but we'll start there. Um, I am actually, I'm not, I'm no longer an actor. I, the last show I did was what we did together. So we met to go back. We met in theater. We met, um, uh, but, uh, the Egyptian theater in Park City. Hey, Tommy. So it's we are a showmance that's now 14 years on. <laughs> uh, um, there were actually many showmances in that that cast, and a couple of us are still together. Oh yeah, so that's, yeah. Showmantic. Um, it, was a, it was a very happy path. Wait, sorry, what was the show? The Who's Tommy? What 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 is that? Tommy. It's the Who. Oh, pinball, oh, pinball oh, wizard. Oh 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 yes yes gotcha. <laughs> I work That's with a, the heathen. Like, oh, like rock opera, especially if you watch the film version, you watch Anne Margaret roll around in um, baked beans. I'll highly. I pay to watch that. Okay, all right. So, so this is you said how many years ago? Fourteen years ago. Fourteen years um, ago. We, yeah, um, and we, we we met there, and then we were in Utah for a couple of years. Whoa! I hate to interrupt. So I but, just want to but a it. pug was just brought into the scene. A pug has entered the scene. Like in, if we were writing this in stage directions, it'd be italicized parentheses. Pug enters the scene. The pug. Yeah, because he'll be up here and we'll be talking to him, and it'll be. Nice. What's so the pug's name? Hudson. 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 Marcus Black. <laughs> the third. I did not choose the Paltrow. <laughs> okay so I, I i want the moment you met let's let's go back let's go back 14 oh, the years moment we met. The, I, and i'm talking about that that electric that singular that scintillating oh, moment it was hot um, or you met what did you think who met who um, what was that we were at callbacks for the show it was actually down in salt lake and 
um, I knew who he was because I'd seen a couple of his, his shows at the University of Utah. And I was, I was 23 and just super happy and friendly to everyone. And you know, a lot changes over the years, but yeah, um, yeah, you're, you're a curmudgeon now. God damn. I'm right. Ugh. Um, I got in, well, ten a decade in New York will do that deal. But um, <laughs> uh, I got in the elevator and I said, hi, how are you? And he just turns and says, fine. And he puts in his headphones for the one story elevator ride oh, to the basement. He phased you out. Yep. He thought I was mind, playing mind games. I'd like to think. Mind games with hi, how are you? Well, it's a callback, you know. I don't know. I was competitive. ridiculously competitive for <laughs> trying to stay in the zone. Um, and hopefully, I'm a little nicer oh, these days. But we'll we'll see as the interview uh, ensues. Uh, you know, it, I'll, I'll give you my okay. take on it. But I have to tell you, I don't know what it says about me. But that was pretty hot that he did that. So oh, <laughs> so you liked being rejected? You were like, oh, shit. Oh, I was hard. like, still waters yeah. run deep, hard to get. Yeah. And he was the last, we both ended up being cast. He was the last, I knew most of the cast, but uh, he is the one, one person I did not know. And it was probably like two weeks into the rehearsal period. Like we just kept avoiding each other, which when two gay men does that, it means that they want to, you know, so. Is, 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 uh, is, is, is that, is that true? Is that true? Like you both try to play it cool yeah, when there's secret desire. Yeah. yeah. And then we, so. we actually met by being choreographed to be gay hookers in a street scene. Wait, okay. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> heroin, heroin, we did, we did like, we mind like shooting heroin. I mean, and did a lot of grinding. This is so romantic. It was a really great way for parents to, to watch our first introduction. Exactly. This Both of so our parents met us. They, they came to the show and saw us doing that to one another. Wait, wait. So let me understand this. You first meet in the elevator. That's the, the initial moment. Hey, how are you, buddy? He's like, whatever. Fuck this guy. Headphones in. You're like, ooh, awkward. You don't talk for two weeks. Finally, you put in a in a a, a gay gigolo scene where you're choreographed and have to grind. Yep, that's it. Now, when that's did you start? That's, that's it. In the fortune cookie. Without, but when <laughs> did sparks start to fly? So you started talking, right? And how did that go? Uh, um, I I mean, I guess well, it was okay. I think. Well, he because well, he then said, like, after a week of grinding on each other, I was like, oh, should, are you going to ask me out? And he's like, we grind for real. Oh, so that, so Thomas, you were waiting for him to ask you out. Yeah. And then, and he was, he, he I famously was, said, I was feeling myself. I don't ask guys out. They yes. ask me out. Whoa. <laughs> you prima donna. Like, well, then I guess we're not going out. You prima donna. Now, <laughs> Now, Thomas, why why were you waiting for him to come to you? Do you are you not usually aggressive or making the first move or no? I just I don't know. It was it was I I don't know. That was a I, dynamic. A week of grinding. It it was like worthy to at least bring it up, but boy, it got shut down quick, and then that that delayed it yet another week or two. Um, I thought I was being cute, and I realized pretty quickly that did not. Um, Josh, Josh, Josh. Yeah. That's that time you'll never get back. It could be 14 years in one week, man. Yeah, right. Shame on you. Yeah. Okay. So a week goes by, then what happens? Oh, God. Um, we had sex. Yeah! No. Well, I, love, I, love, I love Thomas's face. <laughs> Thomas has this pause, looks back, looks to the left, looks to the right, 
No, okay. How do we I, get from like I don't ask them out, they ask me out too. Sex. How do okay, we get it wasn't actually it, there were some things in between that. Like I want I want the in-between. Um, so so did Thomas. Give some uh-huh. foreplay. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, okay, now it's my turn to not come across very well again. Do um <laughs> I never come across well. So we were carpooling at the time because we were driving up to Park City. And, and we got back down to, to Salt Lake. He was dropping me off at my car, which was in the Shopco parking lot in mm-hmm. Sugar House for all yes. of you. Uh, former Shopco yes. parking lot. Man, rest yes, in- rest in peace, no longer there. Uh, and he said, so what are you doing for the rest of the night? And I said, oh, nothing. <laughs> you? Oh. oh, that wasn't quite no, right. Just, you said, I'm going back home I'll probably just to go back hang home. out with my parents. Did I say, oh, I, so I, unhot. Well, also not what it turned out to be. <laughs> we ended up at the same restaurant with different dates. Come on. Whoa, he lied to you? He played you? Okay. No, I did not <laughs> You lie. played him. Wait, wait, wait. No, wait, because wait. at the time, that was the truth. But then when I got in my car, I called someone else that I was just kind of Ooh. seeing casually and, and decided, well, I wanted you to ask me out, but I had already put my foot on my mouth and, and he knew in that moment, he would never ask me out. He'd make me do it. But I just did. I said, what are you doing tonight? Oh, man. But you didn't say you want to go to dinner. That was more inference <laughs> to his credit. That's not Josh, like asking. Josh him. was ah. an actor at the time. He needed specificity. He needed need clarity. That. He needed action. Yep. Mm. Okay. Okay, so, so wait, wait, wait. And we end up. I end up there with my friend Anita, and we're sitting there, and I'm talking about I've got this huge crush on this. I'm sitting there eating like my noodles, and I look up, and the hair comes in with a date. <laughs> the quaff with a body underneath it. I I literally stopped, and I was like, "This is this is unreal. You're never gonna believe we just walked in." And she went, "Josh," and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> So that went well. No you were there for, with Anita from the ATP. Yeah, yeah. Anita. Anita yeah. Yep. Okay, okay. So, so so what happened? Did you guys make did you lock eyes? Was it awkward as fuck? Oh, oh yes. Oh, oh yes. So they they were further along in their meal, obviously. So they when they left, he stopped by the table to wish me a good meal. And of course, <laughs> was just oh. so red faced. But oh. I will tell you, in that moment, it was like the ultimate I should be here with him. It was like I knew immediately. And so that from that moment on, I was like super into you and all I wanted was you. And so the next day we go to- <laughs> He's shaking his head, bullshit, whatever. The next day we, go to re- we go to rehearsal or we get in the car. Some other people get in the car. We're carpooling with us and they said, how was your night? Yeah, and it has to be Thomas awkward. Thomas turned to them and said, fine. I had some Chinese food that didn't agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spicy. <laughs> and then we you just shrink. The <laughs> oh, burn. Um, we got up to the, the theater and I asked him out very explicitly, very full, just specifically. Said, Would you like to go on a date with me? <laughs> we went to, we Read went to the squatters. Lips. That, yeah, exactly. We went to so- squatters that night on February 4th, 2007. <laughs> 8.05 in the evening. To that day, well, to, the, to this day, that, that, that's one of our anniversaries. Yeah, yeah. For the first six years we were married, or we were together, we weren't married. And for the first couple, gay marriage wasn't even legal. So it was never even a thing we were thinking right. about. Um, but so we've always kept February 4th because that was our anniversary. But then now we have a wedding anniversary in the summer as well. 
Um, but that, that's the story of- Whoa, whoa, whoa. you're skipping out. You yada, yada, yada over the best part. Yeah. What? That's, that's the filling in that you request. Okay, that was the fill in. So, yep. you, you, so you didn't speak to the awkward night before, like, hey, let me explain why I was there with another dude and da, 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 da. You just went for it. You're like, will you go out with me? I don't think it needed explanation. Yeah. You went, you went for the throat and he said, yes, you go to squatters. That's adorable. I love it. What, what, where, where, did, where did the sex come from then? Like, like, like how, how rapidly did this happen? Opening night, the next night. Uh, the next night asked- after your squatters date? No, no, the next no, it we didn't. We, it was a ways off from that. It was oh. it was like five days. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> he waited naturally. Okay. We I'm had sorry. it was romantic. We had sex on opening night. And Come on. By the way, I told my mom about this podcast and she wants to listen to it when it's published. And now I'm realizing Well, your mom knows what sex is, bro. Let me tell you. Come I on. don't know that she, I want her to hear about <laughs> my sex. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we could send her a section of the podcast. There we go. Where you talk about daffodils and I'll ice cream two, cones. I'll do two versions. I'll do the edited version for mom. The clean flip version. version. No, this, is what the, this is what we get the people what they want. Okay, so you guys get it on opening night. You have a good show. Now, what about the courtship? How long? Uh, what was a courtship like leading up to an engagement? How long did this take? Well, we made out every night at the same part of the show on stage right for about five on minutes. On the stage. Off stage. Off stage. Off stage. Okay. Yeah. That was our date. And then um, we would go out after the shows. We would um, hang out at my place after the shows. It was, we would, you'd, anyway, it so was really weird. Yeah. I told him I loved him like two weeks in uh, on, Fat Tuesday. Uh, on Fat Tuesday and I was like oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> with the purple beads and everything yeah oh man oh man two weeks in look at you you know what it was the best chaotic time ever it was very uh, sweet I'm glad it I'm glad it happened oh man and we Shit. moved into an apartment and the rest is history well how, how long did it take to get to, to move in together um, it was quick. It was almost immediate because he had moved back from New York and he'd been staying with his parents. He'd lived there, what, 10 years at that point? With your ex. Oh, yeah, in yeah. New York. And then he came back to the University of Utah to finish his degree. And so he was, he, his parents lived uh, in Mill Creek, or they still do. Um, and, um, and so I was in the process of getting a new apartment with a roommate we were there for about a month and he almost slept over every single night. And then we just yeah. decided to get our own place. So it was about two months, two yeah. months in. Yeah. Holy wow. shit. Like, look at I that. Roommate. Luckily she's a dear, dear friend. Still, that sounds so. like a, that sounds like a Johnny move right there. Yeah. Really like crashing in, not thinking about it, you know, rushing. Move, right. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Sometimes you just got to go with your impulses. Yeah. You, you always do. I you, do. You always do. I, yeah. How's it working out for you, Chan? Uh, well, you know. Well, we're here. We're here. Okay. So uh, how long until you were engaged? You moved oh, that's been, that was like six years. Okay. After. So you live together for six years. It's blissful. There's, I assume there's purple beads and making out and, and a lot of laughter and joy. And, and here's yeah, we, what I want to know is how did you guys get married? Uh, when you first got married, was it legal? Or was it more of a civil ceremony or did you guys like, were you able to actually legally get married? Because 
I know the government was fucking around with that for so long. So we what was your journey married, with that? Well, we were married when it was legal in New York, but not yet legal in Utah. So what did that uh, make you here? Just buddies? Um, I mean, I guess, yeah. Special friends. I don't the, know state of Utah, the state of Utah <laughs> didn't acknowledge your union, right? That's well, what it says on insurance yeah. forms here in Utah. Special in York, friends. Right. Yeah, just buddies. We lived in New York, so we didn't really give a shit yeah, about what matter. Utah thought about us. Um, but we also, it wasn't something that we went into right away because it was, it was legal in New York for, I want to say like two years before we got married. Um, okay. Because a lot of people were asking, are you going to get engaged? Are you going to get engaged? And we, we didn't rush into it just because it was legal suddenly. We just waited until the time was right for us. But it did take an adjustment period, at least for me, to really accept it like, oh, this is an option for me. Because I didn't think it was going to be. Wow. It happened much more quickly than I thought it would. And I'm glad. And it was really crazy because you were back and you would come back to Utah um, for Christmas yep. a little bit before me. So he was here the day that gay marriage just like suddenly became legal. Like, like, like federally, right? Federally, like yep. across the board. No, it was Utah oh, before oh, no. it was federal. That's right, the Utah case. Wow. The Utah case, yeah. So for a while, Utah it was legal. Where other places it still wasn't. Isn't that so funny? That's so ironic. So now your marriage is recognized everywhere. Yep. Ba bam. How's that feel? Holy shit! It doesn't. It just feels normal. It doesn't normal. feel normal. Yeah. Yeah. What a perfect a answer. It should feel normal. That's perfect. Yeah, I mean, and how long have you been married now? Eight, almost eight years. God damn. Wow. Has it been that long? Yeah. I, I was know, at their right? I was at their wedding. So. so tell me about the wedding. What happened oh, with this wedding? Amazing. Tell me everything. John, tell us. Yeah, about I, want, the I want to hear the attendee experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was definitely yeah. underdressed. I think no. I wore like a button-up shirt and slacks, yeah. and I was like, oh, that's probably their it fault was on, for not it making was it was on this code. rooftop. What it was uh down in the financial district, right? Yep. It I was mean summer cocktail party and you had two blonde angels. oh yeah i had two partner. blonde angels with me that whoa, was... whoa 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 is this manhattan first of all yeah okay because you're saying financial district so man yeah so we're, we're staring down at you know the building of the freedom tower i think it was still being you're built. looking down on, at the at the yeah. charging bowl and uh at the, ball. Oh, the whole yeah and then there's Back the, the Liberty, uh, harbor yeah it was yep. pretty it was beautiful. That's epic. It's like a Woody Allen movie. That's crazy. And they had uh, cocktails for both of them. Yes. Uh, specialty cocktails that uh, mm. I definitely dove into because I didn't have to drive. It's what was, what was the cocktail? What do you remember? Uh, I, I was pinky in the air, fancy pants, and I had a Pimm's cup. That's right. The Pimm's what, cup. What's, what's that? Yeah. What's that? Pimm's is a gin-based liqueur from England, and you mix it with lemonade and like mint and some fruit it's a very like, like a mint julep arnold palmer thing kind of they drink it at like um at like polo matches ascot opening day and all that exactly it's okay, a very gotcha. like, awful kind of drink and i was feeling it myself <laughs> look at you it was a beautiful ceremony and, and what the the wedding it's i mean the reception listening to your parents their speeches was thomas did you make the other cocktail uh, I had a some blue uh, collar, like a screwdriver or something. No, a vodka, a, vodka well, a vodka lemonade with thyme, fresh thyme in it. I think. Damn, you guys yeah. are classy. Oh, there, it was. You guys are way classy. classy. I, I feel, I feel uncomfortable. Wow. 
Yeah, you're not classy. No, I don't think anybody's ever saddled you. I can't smell classy. I eat at the end. I don't know. It's with a K for you. You know what we're drinking tonight? Pub beer out of the can. (laughs) Baps beer. It's delicious. (laughs) It's It's, uh, Thomas, it's delicious. Okay, so what else do you remember? So there there was... uh, Oh, God. What were they wearing? What were they wearing? It was a beautiful day. You were both wearing gray suits, right? Uh, You had a like a dark blue and I had a gray. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. And, um, but uh, God, it was a beautiful evening. It was gorgeous. It was I mean, gorgeous. the watching the sunset and, um, and then, yeah, the Bay right there. Um, I think, can we see the statue of Liberty? I feel like we could. Oh, man, yeah. This is epic. Oh God. It was gorgeous. It was amazing. I definitely felt like I, I was like, how did I get here with these two beautiful women? And then this. Okay. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to hear about the two blonde angels. What, what's going on here? Well, it was yeah, Carrie Ann and her sister. Wow. Yeah. Oh, sisters, you dog you. I know. Right? <laughs> Don't tell Kyle. <laughs> no. Um, but I uh, yeah. I think she was with Kyle at the time, even. Was she? No, she was. They were together because they, they actually started dating maybe a month before Carrie Ann and I met. Okay. But uh, but Caitlin had come um, on her own to visit. Yeah, it was the last minute. Carrie Ann texted. She said, "Can my sister come to your wedding?" And I I knew her because I did a, a play with her separately. And I'm like, absolutely. We were so excited that she could come last minute. Yeah. All right, switching gears here. So it sounds like you've been in a lot of plays, but you've hung up your guns. It seems like you've left it all behind. Why? What's going on? Um, well, you kind of. You're still in the. Business. Yeah, I'm in. Still the, in I'm in theater. I, I do. When we moved to New York in 09, I never wanted to act. I didn't want that. I didn't want the constant auditioning. That, that um, wasn't a theater move to move to New York? Nope. No, no. Um, it was New York. New York was the move, yeah. to, the move to move to New York. So I um, actually started working for Shutterstock, the tech startup oh, at the wow. time. You know, it's a big publicly traded company. And I was employee 40. So I worked there for five and a half years. At the same time, I um, went to NYU and got a master's in arts administration. So I'm on the the, the back end uh, of theater. So I'm an arts administrator. The pain, the pain stable end. Damn. What are you do? What are you doing with yourself right now? What am I? What? What are you doing with yourself right now? Uh, I'm a director of marketing and communications for Salt Lake Acting Company. What? So, yeah. How do I not know you? <laughs> this is crazy. You're very impressive. I've been there for about three years. I worked there actually in my early twenties in the box office. Yeah, sure. Slack was always a place that had a special uh, place in my heart. And so when uh, we found ourselves back in Utah, um, my boss at the time when I worked there, uh, Cynthia Fleming was the box office manager. Now she is the executive artistic director. Mm -hmm. We had lunch and and it just sort of, it turned into what it is. And it's been um, an amazing opportunity to come back and work at a place that means so much to me so it's i love salt lake acting company tell me what's going on with them throughout rona um it's been well one we're all employed and staying employed which has been amazing and more than other other arts organizations can say um i've been very busy we've produced a a a short form digital content series called uh, slack digital shorts um and it's on our youtube channel um they're just short comedic videos that were written by Utah artists, because yeah. um, the goals that we've had during the pandemic is to try to pay artists as much as we can, when we can. Um, so we've been doing, um, what did we do? Last fall, we partnered with a couple theaters across the nation and uh, produced a play called American Dreams. Hmm. 
Is that, that Edward Albee? No, it's it was a new work by a woman named Layla Buck. Okay, nice. And it's a game. It was a game show where you voted on one of three immigrants that gets immediate citizenship to stay in the United States. So it was a very <laughs> dark, dark political. It's like a very um, it as a satire. It was like a dark comedy as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and much My like friend, in- I think just did that. She did it at Virginia Tech. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, that may have been the same cast. I don't know. Maybe maybe they. It was a touring like through was the that- country. Yeah. yeah. Um, nice. well, that may have been one of the schools that licensed it afterward, but yeah. um, so we did that. That was the first time that Slack had ever done something like that. We presented every um, every holiday season, we present a children's production, and this year, of course, we couldn't do one in person, right? Um, so we presented an archival recording of one of our old um productions called Climbing with Tigers, it was pretty amazing. And now we are we're in the middle of a three part um. It's a digital, so normally we have a, a new play reading series called the New Play Sounding Series uh, yeah. that we present free in the theater. Um, and we try to do one per regular production that we do. We try to also have a, a New Play Sounding Series production. Um, and it's exciting because a lot of those plays are workshop that way and then we give them full productions. But um, right now we are in the middle of what we're calling the New Play Sounding Series Festival. So in January, February, and March, we're, um, uh, producing works by BIPOC playwrights directed by BIPOC directors nice. with casts that are predominantly BIPOC, um, just as a, as a reflection of um, our intention moving forward and um, trying to very nice see some some equity in the American theater. It's long overdue. Oh, um, perfect phrase, equity in American theater. Yeah, because when's the uh, the straight white guy going to get a leg up in this world, right? Jesus Good Lord. Lord. Never. When are we going to catch a break around here? Never. I'll uh, be working at 7-Eleven for the rest <laughs> of my life. Thomas, how about you? What are you into right now? Uh, I am into helping my mom paint her, her quilting room. So, <laughs> What color? That's what I'm doing right now. What color are you guys? Oh, uh, she wants like a slate green. I'm not on board with it, but I'm not gonna trying to talk her out of it. 70 year old mom. You- I'm like whatever she wants we'll do you it. gotta tell her you gotta tell her straight but i want to go back so thomas you i didn't realize so you were in new york before you came back and did the at or uh finished your degree not in the atp but at the theater department the u yeah so i kind of split it up weird i was there uh in two, 99 and 2000 and then i dropped out right when the Twin Towers of 9-11 oh happened. My God. And moved back to New York at that point. And then was there for, I guess, five years at that point, and then moved back to Utah to finish up my degree. So it was split into two different things. Here's something okay. interesting you should know about Thomas. He was a um, union member of the, or was a member of the wardrobe union on Broadway. And he worked wow. as a dresser on Broadway shows. He worked with Baz Luhrmann in- what? Love Baz Luhrmann, Australia, Romeo plus Juliet. And then he worked on the infamous Rosie O'Donnell produced flop taboo, which you tell me about that. Yeah. Tell me about what happened there. Uh, So it was, it starred boy, George, George O'Dowd. uh, What? Amazing. And it's the story of Lee Bowery, who was this amazing uh, drag or a gender bending performance artist in, um, in London in the 80s, the late 80s. Oh, wow. Uh, Let's make it one of the original club kids. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's a musical version of his life 
and George, uh, Boy George, played Lee Bowery in the musical, and then, um, and he, as a character, was played by a younger guy, um, what was his name, Ewan, Ewan Morton. Morton, yeah, and, um, and they used to, uh, and George wrote all the music for the show, and they used some culture club stuff, and it was really, really interesting. You, you dressed I, I, Boy George. Uh, I did not dress Boy George. <laughs> he was really lovely, but he certainly lived in his own world. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine dressed him. Um, it was an interesting show because Rosie is so such a strong personality. So Rosie, Rosie produced, produced it? it. Produced it. Why? Why does she want to tell this story? She saw it with her girlfriend in London and was just like obsessed with it and wanted to bring it to Broadway and put all of her own money in it to do it. So, wow. and evidently it was in London, it was like a very small, intimate, like, like almost like, like Slack had done it. Yeah. And Rosie made it a much bigger show and, and changed the, the feeling <laughs> and tried to Broadwayize it and that more pizzazz. Yeah. yeah so you think if she had kept it off Broadway in a smaller theater, it might've been, I think it, well, I mean, I thought it was good where, where it was. I really did uh -huh. enjoy the show. Um, it didn't run for very long. And I do think if it had been maybe off Broadway in like a club scene, it yeah. may have sustained a longer run. But um, but Bob and Karen from Wisconsin did sure didn't care for it. <laughs> oh, no, gosh. Yeah. I didn't get that at all. Wait, so, so it was a yeah. flop. How about it? when you say a flop? You know, but, but, but you've all done the New York life. How many shows merits a flop? And what's a good run? What's a healthy run? recouping your investment or not sure it definitely didn't recoup investment i think yeah. we were open for about five months altogether including like put in in tech right uh, i think it closed in february and i think we but a healthy show should run for what a year or, or or what are we talking yeah i think you want to make it through a tony award season and uh. the tony awards and then see how you pan out at the end of that yeah and um so at least a year but a lot of shows are so expensive these days that sure yeah did they did they get a raspberry award worst of anything like that well they michael riedel riedel was crucifying the show um he's a critic yeah he's a critic a, a little bit of a gossip theater gossip queen a little that? yenta a gossip <laughs> uh, theater yenta and uh but it, the bad press actually drove a lot of people coming to kind of scratch their heads and look at it <laughs> i want to see how bad how bad is this what is this train wreck i must stop yeah. Was, was it bad, you know, objectively, from you watching on the wings? Was it bad? So I think the music I really, really liked. You can still get the, the original Broadway recording. It's really great. Um, there was some moments in it that got a little camp. And I think there was a, a kind of a retrospective of Lee's work kind of done in a dream in a men's urinal <laughs> station. Okay. And I think the audience was kind of like, what the is What am I watching? year um so it kind of went off into left field and then it touched on like the aids crisis at the end mm. and so there was a lot to it. try to do too much maybe yeah there was a lot to it but I, how how was rosie what was rosie like rosie was uh, she's a trip she um she is a strong personality a strong of course woman, a female um and there were a few there were a few dramatic moments but you know you're putting a broadway show together so why sure. not would you like to tell us one of those dramatic moments? Well, the, the, she, she and everyone knows this because they wrote about it. She got in a, a pretty heated argument with uh, Raul Esparza, who was playing one of the leads, who's a very um, passionate and talented, very super talented performer, but 
will butt heads pretty easily. And of course, Rosie, oh my, she picked up that God mic once and kind of interrupted his song and gave him a note. And that didn't interrupted the song in the middle of the song. It kind of it ended and she was like, he was getting a note. And then what was the note? What did she say? I don't. I don't remember the note wasn't going over so well with <laughs> and so she said well and she kind of grabbed the mic and was like i'm giving you the note now so take it and wow off raul and he was off the stage and didn't he say fuck you rosie i mean maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there maybe was a fuck you rosie there, could have been. there was some language involved it oh, was shit. But it was a it was a high drama show, and so it was very entertaining. To quote Waiting for Guffman, these artist types are real emotional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for so, Guffman. Thomas, did you go there originally? I mean, for just the New York experience, were you looking to act? Yeah, was what compelled you to make the first move? time before you came Yo, back? Oh uh, no, no, I, no, I actually, I, I, I am a very or I was a very dramatic person and hoping I'm turning a little bit of a corner um, but I bought a one-way ticket when I was 18 didn't tell anyone packed a bag and bought a ticket and just moved to New York because I felt like I needed to go there and um, and and I knew like when I landed there I was like oh this is it this is it and uh, so that's that was what drove me there um, and then I just kind of worked in the city and did you know training and classes and all of that and then really auditioned more once i moved back uh after graduating from the atp or not the atp but uh, but the U. The yeah interesting so you know shifting gears here being in utah what's it like being a gay married couple what's that like for you around here i um all right that's the, the, i don't think it was a I don't think it was frankly in either of our plans to come back to Utah, but the universe had other plans for us. Mm -hmm. So we found like ourselves back here. Um, yep. Yeah. And we we found ourselves back here. Um, we have I just a think lot of really coming from New York. It's so diverse and eclectic. And now you're here. So conservative. You blend right yeah. in probably in New York, but here, you know, what's that? What's your experience? Well, I'm, I'll be shady and just say, I mean, most Mormon men look gay anyway. So. <laughs> he said it. He went there. They, so I don't feel like I stand out. Although when I notice I don't, when we're together, sometimes it's different. And we, we stayed with my parents up in North Ogden for a time. And yeah, you get stared at. You get people uh, saying shit. Um, like what? Uh, well, you weren't there, but I was for... Um, I mean, how many how many homophobic incidents do you want to hear about in Utah? Because it happened. Well, top, we top top three to five. <laughs> we were at <laughs> David Letterman style. Um, <laughs> we uh, we went to Lagoon last fall. That's an amusement uh, park for our listeners. Yeah, for listeners, and we we should not have because it was the Rona and it was outside, and we had our we had our masks and everything, but we had passes. We went with my brother, who's also gay, and his fiance, um, and. We were in the one of the, the dark ride lines, the terror ride for you Utah locals. Um, and my brother and his fiance were getting in the their car and the, there were people further down the line who didn't see me and Thomas, but I saw them making fun of my brother and, his, and like, uh, I could tell, you just know, you get, a, you get a, a sense for these things. And we were in, we were getting in next and I knew it was about to happen. And sometimes when 
I'm normally not confrontational, but when I am, I really am. And I it's like, see, I see red and just like leaves yeah. my body. And so what I did, and he didn't know any of this was happening. We get in the car, the cart and you just pause there briefly. And I turned to him, even when our mask was still on. And I just grabbed him and started kissing him. And <laughs> turned to the people and they flipped them off. And he said, go fuck yourself. Nice. And then the ride started, and I was like, You're like, then, what the hell was that? I love that. And then I Thomas couldn't. is like, Bye. Tom, so Thomas isn't in this at all. He's just being grabbed and, and uh, made out with. Yeah, it was. I did not have his consent. I grabbed him by the face. It was it was uh, not a great move on my Powerful part. Moment. Oh, it was like, Whatever, for the cause. It was for the cause. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's things Good like you. that. Where you're just minding your own business and trying to live your life, and people can be assholes because they're so small-minded and you do but you know what it that's not exclusive to utah it does happen in certain areas here more than others but yeah so what was the scariest experience you've ever had in that realm anything you were ever like Oof. anything uh, beyond beyond just uh remarks or teasing or looks yeah um uh we were in ireland and oh, shit and i was punched in the back of the head no. Just walking across the street in this charming village, Ken Mare, and uh, there was some some rough lads from the next town over. That's what right. the cop said yeah. afterward. They had been drinking all day, all night. They had something to say about your gayness. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, he, he didn't say much. He just muttered and punched me in the back of the head. I was like, while you were walking across the street. Yep. Just out of nowhere, like we were on a crosswalk. We crossed. We crossed paths, and all of a sudden, you turn around. And me. Gave, gave you a um, haymaker. What did you do? I they had continued on, and I was like in shock and not knowing what to do. Um, and we determined, and there was a there was an American expat who I believe was gay. He was a very nice man who had witnessed it, and he like stopped us. He was okay, and he said, "You should, you should, you should file a report." And I thought, I don't want to like, but then I thought, no, I should because it's it was that I, was fun. Yeah, it was so we go to the, the police station that looks like it's out of one of those like British, like charming PBS mystery. Going my way, sure. The guy was like, man hit gay man on head. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, like it was, oh, it was like, the cops like typing it, dictating out loud as he types. Yeah, he was just like basically oh, boys. This is this yeah. happens here. Oh, those lads are like a gay towns over. They're rabble rousers. Like, I'm like, oh, but oh. I so it was a formality because I would have had to appear and everything. Oh like my that. God. Boys would be boys. Eh? <laughs> yeah. God. It just, it sucks because it always happens when you're uh, inevitably, whenever you're having a good time and not thinking about it. And then, right. then homophobia really rears its ugly head every once in a oh, while. And shit. It's, it's not fun. Um, but I don't, I don't feel like I'm worried about more homophobia coming my way in Utah. Um, personally for me as an ex Mormon, I, I, it, it's really tough being back here and like having the nightly news on and hearing people talk about the church all the time. Yeah, shoved down your throat. And as if like, it's not a part of my daily life. I don't want it to be a part of my daily life. I chose to leave that after 19 years and I don't want to devote any more of my time to it, whether it be being angry with the Mormon church or, mm -hmm. or being around it. I get that I, we live in Utah and that is what it is. Um, but that's been the, the biggest adjustment for me being back in Utah. Tell me about your journey leaving the church. So, you know, I've, I've, I've known, I've had some gay friends who, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Mormon church, that's like excommunication land, right? 
like if you're gay, it's like, oh, this is a moral failing. Tell your bishop if you don't if you don't fly, fly right, you're excommunicated. You're out. It's a very so sort I, of damning I culture, right? Used to be more so um, to my knowledge. And I'm not a, I'm not up to date on the latest. <laughs> sure. You don't read the weekly newsletter. No. And I, I know there are still allegedly there are there are still openly gay men who are in good standing within the Mormon church. And I don't know what that means. And I more, whatever, as long as people are happy, like I'm not, I'm not going to pass judgment on those choices. I don't comprehend how that works, but hmm. um, it, I don't, it's, it, it's tough though, especially growing up in coming of age in my teens in the nineties. Um, I lived in uh, up in Eden, Utah at the time for six years in my adolescence. By the, and by the lake? Eden? By the, by the, by the Pine View Reservoir, yep. Right by uh, Snow Basin Resort. I lived, I lived on the road up to Powder Mountain. Get the hell out of here. Wow. Yeah. Above the golf course, Wolf Creek. It was a beautiful place, um, but a very conservative place. Um, Junior high, Snowcrest Junior High. Um, That's your for Snowcrest? No, Snowcrest Junior High was the worst two years of my life. And that school can literally go fuck itself but yeah. uh, so you heard it here and now snow crest breaking how do you feel fuck you skyhawks go, you go fuck yourself uh, skyhawks <laughs> that's a cool mascot but fuck you skyhawks that was their cheer when they first opened and then they changed it because it just didn't yeah. the kids were like oh fuck you skyhawks. <laughs> um no, more, more specifically fuck some of the people it's got it's, yeah okay okay what happened what happened Junior, people are jerks in junior high. Yeah. Um, high sucks. Yeah, yeah, true. It's bad for everyone. Um, it's really yes, it is for a gay kid who likes drama in a town that doesn't have like any. There, there were hardly any people to to be around. And first of all, when did you know you were gay? Without a doubt, how early? Uh, um, I don't. When did you know you were straight? I don't know. Oh. This isn't about Jason's me. A, Jason's an early bloomer. He probably knew when no. he was five. Well, I mean, how long did you carry that around? I mean, did you keep that a secret? And like, there you are in elementary school, middle school, high school. You're like, holy shit. Well, I don't I, see myself I, around I, here anywhere. I got to keep this under wraps. I think like for a lot of people, it's when you start to hit puberty, you start yeah. to develop sexual feelings. And um, I thought yeah, that was Jason at five. Uh, you what? At five? Five, Jason. For I told sure. you that in confidence. <laughs> hey, <laughs> um, yeah, we're all friends here. <laughs> so you, ha- so middle by middle school, obviously that's a thing, and yeah, and it's, it's it's a bad scene up there. It's a bad scene. Um, you just uh, fucking skyhawks. You try sometimes you you make efforts to try to fit in uh, in order to become invisible, and you. You just it, struggle mm-hmm. to find yourself and 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 your people, and that took wait literally two years of hell, and then waiting till I get to to high school, um, which was then a, a larger pool of people and a, a more formalized drama program that I really threw myself into. Yeah, um, and that was that, and like for so many kids, like the arts are literally a lifesaver and absolutely was, a haven. Yeah. How how did you come out? Um. Well, like other people, they're um, it, it's done for them. 
by their parents finding their internet search history. <laughs> Oh God! So um, I was so I actually I came out when I was twenty and then went back in the closet for a year, um, and went to some some therapy to try to degay myself and oh, really no. just ended up doing more psychological damage. Um, and and then finally when I was twenty one, um, I had just graduated from Weber State. I was still living with my parents. Uh, by then they were in Pleasant View, and. Um, and I was doing plays down in Salt Lake. And I remember her calling, my mom calling me, she had found more gay porn on the search history. Oh. And, and, and I just finally said, you know what, I'm gay. And when I could finally just affirm it to her and not leave it as I'm struggling with my sexuality or I don't know who I am. I, um, I think that my parents are, they've had their own journey. They've been incredibly supportive and they're very loving and we have unconditional love in our family. And I'm very lucky for that. Um, but it's been, it's been a journey. Yeah. Um, but from that moment on, like my parents accepted me for who I was and it took a little bit more time for that. Cause of course it's, it's all done in phases. Like my, sure. my dad said, well, you know, I just don't want to ever meet anyone you're dating whatever. And like fast forward. Oh, come on. I mean, it's, he's, but he's amazing. You know, he, yeah, he's, also he's, marching, he's now marching, marched in more gay pride parades than I have. <laughs> and, and he holds a sign that says proud dad. Fuck and I, yeah, man. It's a, yeah, he's a, he's a, um, you know, he, he's a support and he, he evolved, he evolved as well. Yeah. We all, it, everyone it's your, I believe it's every person's job to evolve and try to be loving and, and right. um, just be a, not be a dick at Lagoon making Buy not to be people who are just minding their own Lagoon. business. There's an old right. saying, I believe it's an, an ancient Greek saying, which translates to try not to be a dick at Lagoon. It's, it's a, I, I love mean, that saying. It's on a bumper sticker somewhere. I have it. It's my grandstand in Chinese, actually. On my... <laughs> now, Thomas, how about fortune cookie? Uh, you know, uh, how, how about you? What's, what was your journey with, uh, did, you, did you struggle with religion growing up in the church? And how did you ultimately come out and come uh, to terms with who you were? I was uh, raised in Salt Lake, but I was not Mormon. Um, and I think I came out of the birth canal with jazz hands. Like, it was not a surprise. Um, <laughs> it's Bob Fosse, huh? I was like, woo, hey! Jazz hands. Um, and I, I don't know if I was blissfully unaware or just maybe I was because I kind of lived in my own world for until I was... 39 uh, <laughs> so like yesterday like yeah last week um but i was i never really felt like i had a like i was had a hard time or didn't have friends mm. or um it i had a, a good childhood i never felt like out of place so um i was lucky that way and so it came as no surprise basically how old were you when you came out uh officially i, I was like mom dad i'm gay 17 17 okay yeah. so a bit earlier and this was met with acceptance everything's okay in your family as well or wow um, that, yeah. take that ironically enough for a family that's like uber liberal and very much like i have a gay uncle um my mom <laughs> called me because she found out i had a boyfriend and she was like i know you have a boyfriend very accusatory like, oh, well I'm like, no, no, now that's all cleared up i've got to go bye <laughs> and uh that was it it's been fun See you later. i know yeah. just so you know if you're sneaking around you're not i know i was like well then if you've seen what's happening you definitely know i'm gay 
So, um, that's all. How about dad? Is he all right? Um, my dad's side is a little more conservative. Um, Mm. and, but it's never, it was never an issue. Like he, he, uh, met, you know, he's, he had met my boyfriend and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So, so Josh, you were, you were saying that at night you did 19 years of Mormonism. So that at 19, you were out. Yeah. So that's um, right on the precipice of either you're going to go on a mission or you're not. So yeah, what, what I, were those conversations like? I, there's a, there's a Mormon song. They make the kids sing um, called, I hope they call me on a mission. Um, <laughs> sing it. Do you remember it? <laughs> I hope they call me on a mission to do the things that I, I don't, I, that's all Whatever. I remember. Um, Sounds corny. What I do remember is at the time, even as a ch- little boy, thinking, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go. So I'm someone who I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> um, it's been a problem. I've rolled my eyes at teachers when I was like oh. in first grade and like they'd keep me after school. I mean, it's, it's. I have a huge problem with authority. I totally get you. Yeah. I'm like, don't you. I, I have a problem with someone like demands respect instead of earns it. But, mm. but. Um, yeah. What was I saying? I can't remember. <laughs> you were saying, uh, you know, I don't want to go on a mission. What? I didn't want to go on a mission. Yeah. I didn't want to go on a mission. And I was, um, I was, I don't, I don't, I just always marched to the beat of my own drum. Like I started doing community theater. I lived in Billings, Montana for eight years as a kid. And I started doing community theater there, uh, second grade, like second through sixth grade. And, um, I don't know. And I just like, I was friends with kids in high school and I got to go be in the local high school production of Bye Bye Birdie because they needed someone to play the little brother. So I was like hanging out with high school kids <laughs> and um uh, in, in, in like fifth grade. And so I just I don't know I I just it never gelled with me. It just never felt right. I it wasn't along the things that I were, was naturally interested in. I really struggled at 12 they separate the boys and girls um into their respective tracks at church and and then really? you're to go to um your your weekly activity or the young men's i think that's what they called i don't know enrichment night or something like that um and which always inevitably was everyone playing basketball and um i'm not athletic in any way shape or form and i spent so many years of my youth like feeling guilty for that and oh. it, it's really liberating as an adult to be like nope I don't like that. Fuck you, Skyhawks football. (laughs) Skyhawks. There's nothing more terrifying to a middle-aged gay kid than shirts and skins, boys. (laughs) Shirts and skins. skins. Is that what I was, a middle-aged gay kid? No, I mean, because I have to say, but like, middle-aged gay kid. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. So, well, here in Utah, I mean, where is your comfort level? So, I mean, do you guys, for example, do you show PDA, public displays of affection? Are you comfortable holding hands, that that kissing in public? You know, where's that at around here? Um, we, yeah. I would say if from my perspective, it is very much um, has been dialed back since moving from New York. It's dialed just, back. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I love doing it too uh, when I know someone is like giving a dirty look because it's your way of being like, get, you know, what, like, it's your way of asserting 
your power in yourself in that moment mm. and and showing them like i'm gonna go even further and i'm gonna kiss him and uh Damn. but we we've also been together for 14 years so i don't we're not like <laughs> not all over each other anyway yeah and also we're never out in public because there's a goddamn pandemic right now yeah, so yeah yeah so right we, we um we have um uh what would it be? Uh, a PDA, ADA apartment. Oh yeah. 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 I don't know. Apartment. Did the, the, the wow. Affection. Yeah. What, what is your everyday life like right now? So are you both, you're both stuck inside or what's your everyday life like right now? How are you working? Um, I work from home, but sometimes I, I can go into the theater. Um, but it's, there, there's, like few places as depressing as a shuttered theater. I'll tell you that with that that's been sitting there for a year. Oh my so, God. Um, I enjoy being at home with this little pug snoring behind me all day oh, and, pug. Uh, doing a couple hours of zoom and, um, every day with different colleagues. We, and, uh, you know, just, just trying to, to stay, um, productive. Cause I, that's, I, I like to be super busy. Um, we, over the last year, one of the bigger things for us was, was for historically he's, he hates movies and I love movies. You hate movies. What's the matter with you? Broad, he like hates there, movies. But... You hated, well, you what hated... movie do you hate the most? Ooh, um, I don't know. What movie do you hate question. the least? Which would make well, it your yeah, favorite what movie? Would, what would be your favorite movie? Uh, my, my favorite movie is the color purple. Oh, Whoopi. My brother was just watching that. Whoopi. Whoopi's debut. Okay. So good. In it. So good. Um, and she, she should have won the Oscar. Wow. Um, we, um, we started a, an online film club with a couple of friends, and we are actually going through, I think, I believe there are 94 Best Actress Oscar winners, and we are going through them all. And wow. we are now, I think, like 60 in. So we've, we're, we're almost, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, but we watch four films every two weeks and then meet and discuss and we we, we have a march madness style bracket and we're, we're <laughs> against each other and we're whittling it down to the ultimate really uh, actress yeah who do you think it's going to be so your your favorite thus far um marion cochard for la Vion rose is pretty damn oh wow like, edith yeah. piaf okay absolutely share make it through for moonstruck i think shares because that yeah. would be i share for moonstruck i love moonstruck <laughs> sure like, what is this of course we're I did, and Barbara sharon stone from basic instinct yep I don't yeah. think she no <laughs> i think um, she got she got the shaft that year <laughs> i keep this guy around she got the raspberry that year holy shit so so I love that. I love it. Wait, so why don't you like movies, Thomas? What's going you on? love them now. Okay, that's the thing. It's I was like, that's a really broad, broad stroke there to paint. It's I I used to get annoyed. I used to get annoyed a lot. Um, so going into movie theaters and having people talking and rattling their candy mm. would just drive me crazy. And then I got to the point where I was like, calm down, dude. Go yeah. see a movie. And now that's where I'm at. And we okay. we miss the Broadway in Salt Lake, the local art house cinema. Oh yeah, so much. Yeah, in the tower. In the tower, they, uh. they the film society did actually one of um, one of our friends in the movie club works for the film society. Marcy Collette, shout out to Marcy if she listens to this, which Ooh. we'll tell her to. Um, <laughs> we love her, and um, but you know it's 
I think a love of movies has really even blossomed more this year because you've also now, but I've always loved old movies, but we're also seeing, we're seeing a lot of old movies I haven't seen. You're getting an education, a lot of classic movies. And it feels like we're doing something kind of productive. And we were able to do Sundance this year, which was all online. And it was so yeah. much fun. We watched seven films. It was good. The opening yeah. night film, which we never would have been able to see otherwise. We loved the online experience because it, it stripped all of the pretense of Sundance away. Uh -huh. and it was just about the art and the filmmakers. Not the, not the privilege, out. but the art. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I like, what's your favorite film? Of all time? Of all time, buddy. Um, so the honest answer is the film I've seen more than any other. And that would be Walt Disney's sleeping beauty. <laughs> nice. It's not, it is just something I've been obsessed with since no I was two shit. years old. I wow. love you. I walked with you once upon a dream. Exactly. Oh, I love you. <laughs> the look in your eyes is so familiar. Oh, to me. see, oh, see. You're a, what? What do we call the, the the Sleeping Beauty stands? You're a you're a sleeper. You're a, I don't know. You're a. What are your guys' favorite? <laughs> yeah, what are your, your favorite, favorite movies? movies besides Basic Instinct? I'm a sleeper. Besides <laughs> Basic Instinct. Okay, so after Basic Instinct, oh, let's talk. Let's talk about Jason's film. Oh, oh, come oh, on. Oh no, this is great. You guys are gonna love this. What? Get out of here. Why do you know. set me up? That's what I do. That's what I do. I can give you. I set you up. If you then, want my top five, I can give you my top five. Is that yeah, what give, give the top five. And and then we'll talk a little bit more about Jason's. Uh... Number one of all time, Braveheart. Number okay. two, Dances with Wolves. Okay. okay. Number three, Jeremiah Johnson. Number Not four. Right. You see a pattern for me here, right? Number four, Cool Hand Luke. Okay. Number five, Butch casting the Sundance Kid. All, all good. Love it. Okay. There you go. Was just um, I have to tell you, that scene in Braveheart when his wife, her her throat is cut, has mm. scarred me for life. Mm. To this day. And because you watch the life just drain out of her. It was so brutal. That's called acting. And well, and and however brutal the film is, history was more brutal because obviously that right. that you know that that that's history and the English right. really did kill William Wallace's wife and that just sent him over the edge yeah. and enacted the whole uh, freedom fight that he started so it's just it, i saw it when i was nine when it first came out in 95 and it just moved me to no end and it's it's been the most influential film in my life so yeah, yeah it's, it's powerful he, he likes to make fun of me for for uh my Mel Gibson fanship, but hey we all we he all is, have our uh, he is a huge Mel Mel fan he calls him Mel they're on a first name basis. <laughs> well, you know him as well as I do. Yeah, I think he's yeah. a, a powerful, one of the most powerful actors that that that's around. I love Paul Newman. I love Daniel Day Lewis. Those are my three actors of all time. Is like Mel Gibson, Paul Newman, Daniel Day Lewis. But this is not about me. Who are some of your influences? Influences. John, favorite movie. John, my favorite movie. Oh, that's God. That's a tough one, man. Oh, come on. I, I had a no, top five. I, you have a top five. I just I have a top 10. I can um, keep going, but come on. God, I don't know. I'm. It's it comes and goes. Some I get these weird obsessions. I have OCD really bad where I'll watch a movie over and over and over again. And then I won't watch it for years. What like what was the recent one you binged? It's <sighs> a recent one that I binged. God, I can't remember. I I've actually been binging more TV shows lately. Yeah. The one TV I'm binging. Right yeah. The one I'm binging right now is Veep. 
because I think Julia Louise Dreyfus is brilliant. She's and, um, but you know, one of the ones that I will say this and an influence, a very influential movie for me is Unforgiven. Oh, only because it was the first movie when I, because I used to go to the movies all the times when when I was a kid. I remember my mom got so pissed off because I was seven years old and my dad gave me some money and I walked down by myself to the movie theater to go see Short Circuit 2. Because, <laughs> Johnny you know, Five. I was, I was seven. So, um, <laughs> but it was the first time I really saw a movie for its cinematic brilliance of storytelling, of cinematography. I was just going, realism. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, William Money. But, um, God, we talked about Moonstruck. I love Moonstruck. Perfect. I mean, it's it's such a good movie. It's and the acting in that movie. I mean, you have Nicholas Olympia Cage. Dukakis, you have uh, Danny Aiello, Nicholas yeah. Cage. Um, there, there's some other great supporting actors, and I can't remember their names right now. Oh, that are in that. Sure. But um, sure. Sure. But yeah. I mean, I've been watching a lot of older movies lately. Again, Casablanca. That one is oh. just. That stands the test he is of looking time. At you, kid. He um he just saw that for the first time. Uh, there was a drive-in series from the Film Society last fall, oh. and so we got to like go to a little drive-in experience and see. That was your first drive-in, yeah. And your first time seeing Casablanca. It's a I was good movie. so. Excited. I remember going to the drive-in when I was a kid in Tooele. Tooele, right? Tooele drive-in because my dad was dating a woman that lived in Tooele. <laughs> Um, I love it. Oh yeah. Are they going to bring that back? The drive-ins for through Salt Lake Film Society. I think so. Yeah, I, I love so. that. Remember in the old days when there wasn't a pandemic, when they did the late night summer movies, where you go to the yeah. tower and at like ten o'clock at night they'd show some sort of cult classic. Oh man, and and you, you would just go. You'd have a lark. It was carefree. You. You'd go with the flow and blame it, blame it on the breeze. Life was good. I saw Mad Max Fury Road in black and chrome at the tower, dude, on a but, summer night. Ah, who would know like a year and a half later that it'd be like this? It would be Mad Max. <laughs> it is. And now I am Mad Max. In Texas, it is right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, now it's like post-apocalyptic at times. Jeez. But yeah, it's... Uh, Art, art is what keeps us going, right? Art is, uh, is yeah. You talked about important, right? So, like acting companies. So, I mean, there's a lot of theaters that have gone under because of the pandemic, but Slack yeah. is Slack, Slack prevails. Has prevailed, yeah. We're very fortunate um, to be very. Um, we have we have very loyal uh, supporters, and um, when we had to cancel our summer show last year and a couple others that just aren't going to happen. Um, a lot of people, um, either. So out of all the tickets, I'd say like a third were just flat out donated back to the theater, the, the, uh -huh. the value of the money, a third were turned into gift certificates. So we kept the money we'll give them the service. And then a third wanted refunds, but it's, it was really, I, I have to give my boss a lot of credit because she, she just like, uh, she took charge and she kept us all really busy, especially during last summer when before we had all sort of slipped into this rhythm of this pandemic and everything felt like the, the month of June felt eternal last year. And it, it, um, 
it meant a lot to be like put to work and to, we were calling all of our subscribe, all, all the staff members, we were, we all um, downloaded the phone, this phone app to our phones. So we were calling through the Slack phone system from our homes, from our cell phones and checking on our, our, our patrons and uh, talking to them about like, do they need anything? We, we literally, we were in Ogden at the time. We drove a Slack subscriber up toilet paper because wow. he didn't have toilet paper. Thomas and I drove it up and left. That's it on awesome. Customer stuff. service. So do you think, I mean, you were talking a little bit earlier about the digital shorts that um, Slack was doing. And I've had this conversation with other friends that are, you know, still in deep in theater and how, um, you know, streaming services, you think they're kind of, they're going to change the landscape of theater. And that's, that's kind of here to stay as every theater will be doing something like that. Even after the pandemic's Mm -hmm. over. I think, I think um, it, it, knocks down a really important barrier and that's like accessibility and and like the the it breaks down the the privilege that you sort of referenced when we we're talking about Sundance. yeah yeah is that, um we were able to watch the original london cast of of david bowie's lazarus uh, really the other a month or two ago because they had recorded it and we paid 20 pounds and we watched it um and it was um i mean it's amazing we wouldn't have been able to see it otherwise and yeah. um there, there are just certain limitations that people can't always get to the theater. And if we want to make that art accessible, then um, now in order to stay afloat, a lot of people are finally acquiring these technical skills. And I don't think that it's going to fully go away. I think we're going to move forward with a bit of a hybrid when we can. And God forbid yeah. there's ever another pandemic, but um, you know, I, I think the theater will be well, I was working with um, a friend of ours, Laja. Um, her and her husband have the Laja Martin Dance Company. And um, she was doing a live stream of a dance performance with a three camera setup, and the guy had the switchboard and everything. And it just dawned on me that, you know, going to more of a cinematic take, whether it's filming, you know, a last dress rehearsal or doing one show just for filming, that that just seems like a way to go to be able to present that you know, even after the show's over or like you said, accessibility, um, you know, you get a great show going in here at Slack that might get some national recognition. And obviously people are going to hear about it. What would be a way to watch that and to film it? And, um, you know, not just the, the one camera in the back getting the wide angle view, but in a more cinematic, um, you know, with more cinematic technique. Right. You think that's something that theaters or Slack might be looking at doing later on? Well, we announced that. So um, we're hoping we, when we announced this season that we're doing right now, we had hoped and this was our intention at the time was to have a hybrid because even when the vaccine started, like some people will just not feel comfortable going back into public spaces. Sure or and being crammed into a theater and so we wanted to give everyone an option you can watch it from home or you can you can be here live if you feel comfortable but, but there's just so many variables we don't know what to guarantee mm-hmm. but um we were going to partner with the davy foundation which is uh, named after david um david fetzer who is a local actor who, who uh, tragically passed away um, he worked a lot at slack he was heavily involved in the film community and, and there's a foundation his family's established in his name and they they help burgeoning filmmakers so we were going to partner with them we still will if we can 
um, to help bring that cinematic angle because it's a different, you can't just present, we did present an archival recording of our children's show because we had no other choice, but we still, it the, the, that production relied heavily, Climbing with Tigers, relied heavily on projections. And luckily we took those actual projections and sort of created like a hybrid animated, uh, it almost felt like a Nick Jr. show. Okay. That then also uh, interspliced with the, the actual footage, but it was, we were able to heighten that recording. Um, so you do have to take that into account. So for some theaters, that is a that is a barrier for entry because that costs money. And it, um, but I think it's an obstacle that a lot of people are looking at. Um, it's it's also been a nice way to help actors during this time and artists because when you present a, a professional product, a film of a professional production, you're paying those actors a weekly wage for as long as it's streaming. Right. Um, and if we record, when we record our upcoming show, um, which will be done all from their homes, because um, we still still can't have them on a stage to film. Right. Um, but they'll be paid for the rehearsals as well as this. They'll they'll record it once and then we'll play it well, for several weeks. That's and a big. That's been a big problem too with the unions, right? SAG and Equity. Um, I it finally got to a place where it's. It, they're they're granting contracts and it's getting a little they're figuring little, it out yeah it, yeah it took a while but it's they're helping people get to work i believe i'm also in the marketing side so i i, I i'm not in the day-to-day -day talks about that so i can't really yeah you're pretty up to snuff i'd say yeah <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> unfortunately you know art art is the first thing on a chopping block in a situation like like, like this and the last thing to come back Yep. That's the yeah, first thing that went. I remember, you know, pl plays got shut down. Things didn't open. Shows didn't open. No more movie theaters. Then it was yep. sports, right? Then it's like, oh, NFL, NHL, NBA. Well, was the NBA. We, I, I, we, had, we had one preview of our play that we were set to debut on March 11th of last year. And we stayed after and I did the photo call. So we have all these gorgeous photos of this play. And we, I got out of that photo call and, and saw the headline that um, that jazz player had tested. Rudy Gobert got it. Yeah. The French yep. guy. So, and, 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 then, the NBA and you're, you're doing all your, you know, basketball drills in the, in the driveway. And, and, and you were just really like I, bummed, I, right? I that, that, uh, I'm, the NBA. I'm proud of myself for remembering it was a jazz basketball. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, your fuck you Skyhawks shirt on when you heard the news, everything. You better I put out a public apology before this goes live to the Skyhawks. That is <laughs> <laughs> no, he stands by it. He stands by right? it. Most of our listeners are <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Skyhawks. Uh, I was just saying <laughs> that it said it's Sky, Sky, it's what, uh, Snowcrest from when was this? 90, yeah. 96 to 98, I think. You seem pretty timeless, bro. How old are you? What are you packing? Um, I, uh, I just turned 37. Okay. All right. All right. So yeah, this, this is, you know, anyone nowadays will be like, what the hell? But so we can say, fuck you Skyhawks from those age range, those year ranges. Yeah. Where were you born? Where was I born? Yeah. Where exactly were you born? At LDS hospital in the avenues in Salt Lake city and raised, raised in Eden. Uh, no, I, so I lived in Salt Lake till I was four. Then I lived in Billings, Montana for eight years. And then I moved to Eden Okay. For six years, then North Ogden for a couple of years, then Salt Lake for a couple of years Damn. where I met him, then New York. Yeah. 
So. And then you, Thomas, you were born in Salt Lake? Born in Salt Lake, yeah. Exactly uh, where? Uh, exactly uh, in East Mill Creek. Okay. So, oh, oh, St. Mark's Hospital, yes. And grew up, uh, grew up in what neighborhood? In East Mill Creek, uh, right by around Skyline Olympus area. Mean streets, man. Where'd Damn. you go to junior high? Did you go to Evergreen? Snobby. Uh, no, Wasatch. <laughs> Wasatch. And high school. Where'd you go My to high mom school? Evergreen. Oh, really? I don't know where. So, where'd you both go to high school? I went to Weber High in North Ogden. Weber High Sky- and Skyline. 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 Damn, look at you and guys. Thomas, now you you have some uh because what was it? When you were in New York, didn't you do something for the Super Bowl? Or whoa. The lives you've lived. It's yeah. amazing. I know. No, Thomas no, has done amazing. a lot of cool yeah. stuff. You, you got you to you tell me this stuff. Yeah, he's not. Uh, uh, I had an amazing job for a couple of years where I, I worked for a company uh, that is based out of Centerville here called 50 Star Productions. And they do all of the on field that you see in Major League Baseball, uh, NFL, NBA, um, where you see the flags or red ribbon or pink ribbons or anything like that. The flags that cover the field. Um, so I was out there in New York based, so they would use me kind of from Boston down to, uh, DC and, and to Miami too. Yeah. And then I went to Miami once. Yeah. And, um, they actually just had that huge flag in front of the Capitol for the Biden, uh, inauguration. Well, so oh, you wow. would, you would place the flag. What would you do? So, you know, it, when you've gone to a sports game and right before the anthem, a flag, like a massive flag comes out and yeah. covers and like marines will carry it or something yeah that's exactly so everything kind of from um the before the anthem to the coin toss was what we managed well and that that flag is actually in like 14 pieces and it has to be clipped together and all of those 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 military personnel or breast cancer survivors or whoever they're honoring that night that that they give them the tickets and they get to come out on the field and do that i did this with them the very first time that's how i know this so you you were on the field I did it with him the first time. Yeah. Um, and, and he stayed on and kept doing it um, because he was so good at it, but I was really bad at bossing troops or like oh. servicemen around or <laughs> I was like, what? Um, because they want to get back to the game as well when they're done with that flag, but you're supposed to like tell them to help you put it together to place it. And then you rehearse. And then, and then they like the last thing they want to do is help you get the flag and put it away and unhook it. And it's technically, Oh, part come of on. It. They should respect the flag. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's a, a prop. It's a prop it's because not a it's broken into pieces, so it's not an actual flag. That's why it can touch the ground. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, and famously, it does need to be snapped correct to, or together correctly. Otherwise, it doesn't go on the field, and that happens. well, the stripes wouldn't be aligned. It'd be a disaster. Oh, I forgot. About yeah, it was a disaster. <laughs> what? It was a disaster. So you did you? I stress. So you've Super Bowl. You've been in the. Not the Super Bowl. Um, I've done uh, the uh, what's the All Stars game for Major League Baseball, Baseball. and then just different. A lot of Giants games. and Jets games. Giants. That's so okay, cool. that's what it was. That's what I was thinking. Oh, you that's... did the Eagles game too. Yeah. Yeah. The Would you yeah. say that's the coolest job you've ever had? Um, I mean, it was a really fun job, and to be like in the coin toss with Peyton Manning, like right there, while <sighs> it's it was. It was a really, and I'm a huge New York Giants fan, so it was amazing. That was the year, also, like, around the time they won the Super Bowl, too. So they were. Oh, were, yeah. Man. Are you more and of a sport? Madonna, Madonna was the halftime show. I remember year. that. 
I remember that video of him somewhere when the moment the the Giants won, him screaming at the television saying, "God loves me, the Giants and Madonna, and they won. Fuck you!" Hey, no, I remember. I remember. I was actually with um, I was with Lauren Bradley and her family watching that Giants game and just thinking, "There's no way they're going to beat the Patriots." And then when they did, just thinking there is a God, yep. there is, this is proof that there's a God. Do you remember what year that was? 2012. Was that? Oh, 2012, 2013. Well, no, I think 2012 was the second one that they won. I, Cause it would have been, it would have been 08. It would have been like 08 or it was, it was Brooklyn and we we moved there in 2011. So it's definitely the, like the first one. Boston. The first the first time they won had to have been was the first. What's that? Was there was one in 86. Man, you guys well, no, I mean, the, when guy. the Giants beat the Patriots that first oh, 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 oh. that first time that had to have been 07 or 08, I think, or 08. I think I only know because I track things by my uh, college experiences. So I know I was in the ATP at the time. And I also track it by other things, but, you know, <laughs> I won't. It makes sense and keeps things straight. We all have our That's, own right. That's right. That's um, right. So we don't want to take up too much more of your time, but before we wrap up, what advice do you guys have to couples out there? I want, I want, you know, look, you've been together a long time, been together 14 years. That that that's that's some longevity. That's some sustainability. You're clearly uh, you clearly know what you guys are doing. So, what's your advice to couples out there? Um, I actually just gave a friend some advice um, in their relationship, and I won't talk about their relationship, obviously. But uh, I did say that love and life are not a straight line, and there's no blueprint, especially when um, we entered our relationship where like marriage wasn't a possibility, and so you just sort of decide. And even like having a, a, our own wedding, like we got to decide our own traditions and what we were going to do. There wasn't really like a bride and groom side and, and like this, this party does this and this does that. I mean, we got to make up our own rules. And I think in, especially in this lovely state where there seems to be a very homogenized way of, of living, you have to carve your own path and, and, and make room for mistakes. We've had uh, I don't want to end on this. Like we've, we don't have a perfect relationship. No one does who's been together 14 years and we've, we're in, we're in like the happiest place I think we've ever been, but we've had to work like hell for it. So be kind to yourself and your partner. Um, and I would say um, to remember to keep, I guess, to keep your eyes open to, to everything around you, not just become so insular that you're focusing on your own experience um, to, to, hmm. To remember that, that, you know, to remember that that it is about um, the the relationship itself, but um, but there's so much more going on. So to always to always, you know, not become so focused on on that, and try to always lead with love. Like you should mm -hmm. always you should always think the best of the person you're with, right. because if you don't enter in thinking and being their fan then that you're just on the wrong side of the coin at that point you know you got to build up from there so so always enter in thinking that they've got the best in, of intentions and that you love them 
You know what? I think you just gave us the title of this episode. Lead with love. <laughs> Lead with love. I love that. Josh and Thomas. Uh, I was hoping it would be fuck you, Skyhawk. Oh, <laughs> well, that could be parenthetical. That'll be there. We go. Lead with love. Parentheses. Fuck you, fuck you Skyhawk. Fuck you, Skyhawk. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it like that. No. And, and, and maybe and then an ellipses. Always delete your your search history. <laughs> <laughs> or did I really mean to do that? <laughs> I was Maybe free. I left it behind on purpose. Maybe I even left it on the screen. <laughs> I'm sure I wanted you to know search history. It was right up there. Well, Josh and Thomas, I'm so I'm so stoked that you guys would you know, take some time and talk with us. Thanks for having us. We're You're a charming to- couple. You're a charming couple. Carrie Ann wanted me to tell you how much she loves you. And thank you so much for everything you've ever done. Look at that. That's a sweeping thank you. But you're great guys. You're you're, you're good looking guys. And you're a lot of fun to talk to. Much prettier than us. Oh, God. Look at them. Look at them. They're they're gorgeous. We're slubs. I'm I'm, I'm, Jesus. Don't look at me. I'm hideous. I'm a goblin. Don't look. But but no, seriously. Thank you. And you just go off and lead with love. And we will lead with. uh, uh our best intentions yeah yeah <laughs> that's, that's, that's we're on the road to hell we're <laughs> one episode at a time baby. one episode at a time with good intentions and the road to hell we'll see you there <laughs> all right thanks fellas hey thanks a lot guys Peace appreciate out. it all right bye